For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. When Joe is the head coach there, he used to have the team managers go up and down the hallways in the dorm rooms blowing air horns to wake, to wake everyone up. And, you know, this is like 5.30, 5.15 in the morning, man. And that, it, Tom, it, that is brand. the worst wake-up call in the world, an, an air horn. Welcome, everyone, to the very first edition of the Pater Podcast. I'm Tom Hannafin. He's Matt McGloin. I am so excited about this. First of all, a huge thank you to the Believe Podcast Network for giving us this opportunity. Uh, we're really excited about this. And uh, we're actually recording this on Friday the 6th because it's the first day of Penn State football training camp for the mm -hmm. 2021 season. So uh, this is really exciting. And Matt, I'm, I'm really thrilled to dive into this with you and uh, I'm just hoping that this season is better than last. That's, that's yeah. the way I'm looking at it. Yeah, no doubt, Tom. And look, obviously, we're excited to, you know, kick off this new partnership here with the Believe Podcast Network. Excited to be working with you, man. And yeah, man, I am so happy football's back. You know, uh, oh my god, it feels like it takes so long for football to get here, but then for some reason, it sneaks up on you. Right. Training yeah, kick kicks so, off. Um, it's just we had some football on, uh, you know, last night here with, uh, you know, Dallas and Pittsburgh, man. So it was good to just be able to sit on the couch and, and watch football, man. It was awesome. <laughs> Dude, sh so shout out to uh, former Penn State linebacker Micah Parsons. Looked great in the Hall of Fame game last night uh, for uh, Cowboy Steelers, as you mentioned. And uh, yeah, I was stoked because the Canadian Football League was on. So I was like, I can go back and forth between two games, which is what I do the entirety of the college football season is just bounce around unless Penn State is playing and it's just lock the doors and windows. Hey, you um, hey, real quick, you mentioned the CFL, dude. You heard that rumor CFL might be joining up with the XFL, right? Yeah, I saw that a couple months ago. I think there were some talks in between the two leagues. Uh, obviously, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, played in the CFL at one point and is now part of the ownership group for the XFL. Mm -hmm. I did see recently a statement from, I think it was the CFL commissioner, that they had good conversations, but they kind of broke them off. So from what I understand, the XFL is not going to be returning until the spring of 2023. I mm -hmm. think that's the way I saw it. And then the CFL is obviously underway. Um, first of all, congratulations to everybody in the CFL. 620 yeah. days without football. So that's awesome. But anyway, enough about uh, <laughs> Canada uh, <laughs> and my, my passion for the CFL. Let's talk about Penn State football. Um, but more importantly, Matt, I want to dive into just kind of for people who are joining this podcast that don't know your story as former Penn State quarterback, NFL quarterback, XFL quarterback, uh, kind of walk us through a little bit your time in State College. Oh, man. Well, this is the time, Tom, where you make your name known at whatever college, maybe Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Florida, wherever it may be this time right now during training camp is where you earn the respect of players, respect of coaches around you. This is where you can make an impact and get your chance to play on Saturday afternoons. And for me, Tom, obviously I was a preferred walk-on. And you know, for those Penn Staters that are listening out there familiar with my story, preferred walk-on, 
didn't have any major Division One scholarships. Penn State gave me the opportunity to play. I took that opportunity and ran with it, Tom. Um, and and thank God I did because you know it, it was a tremendous experience, a lot of hard work, obviously, but very fortunate and blessed to be given that opportunity. And again, I made the most of it because of what's occurring right now in state college and and all over the Big Ten and all over the country, and that's in training camp. Uh, you know, I entered scholarship uh, a year later and, you know, went on to become a starting quarterback for a few years at Penn State, Tom. But uh, but again, man, this is where that happens in training camp. This is where mm-hmm. unknown players make their name. And this is also, unfortunately, Tom, where players who four-star, five-star recruits have these really high expectations. This is where you find out what they're made of. And you know, sometimes those players just can't deliver time. And one of the things I've learned throughout my entire career, whether it be at Penn State, in the XFL, or, or in the NFL, is that something that players have trouble with is consistency. They can't do it every single day. They can't be that same person every single day. They can't stack good days every single day. It's very, very hard to do. And a lot of guys can't do that. Yeah. And if there's anybody who knows about hard work and that respect when it comes to training camp and just period, uh, it's you. You're being very modest. You were the first (laughs) walk on uh, to be a starting quarterback at Penn State. That is no small feat. Um, You were also uh, you earned the trust of Joe Paterno to be the starting quarterback when Coach Paterno was still uh, the head coach of the program. And then obviously you were a part of, in my opinion, two of the most important seasons in the history of the program, um, obviously controversy abound, um, but you were forward facing along with some of your teammates like uh, Michael Maudy and Zordich come to mind as guys who had to take that on and then also were part of the group that stayed. And it's something you and I talked about on a podcast that you used to have, but it was it, it meant so much to us as me, a, a student who graduated a year before you and then was uh, obviously a fan dating all the way back to the times when I was a kid and I saw LeVar Arrington play against Antoine Randall L playing quarterback <laughs> for Indiana. If you remember yeah. that, the black helmets it was wild, but um, it was so important to us as fans because there were players that transferred um, and there were players that stayed that kind of what you mentioned. There was like, okay, some guys were big recruits, et cetera, but you literally started from the bottom. You were somebody who walked on, you earned your spot and you broke a lot of records as a quarterback. And then, um, to your eternal credit, went undrafted in the NFL. And you had plenty of success with the Oakland Raiders. And I, and I was a big fan of yours, obviously, when you were in school. And then to see what you did with the Raiders was spectacular. Um, you bounced around to a couple of the teams. And then um, when you got to the XFL, that's actually how you and I kind of started talking in the first place. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think you reached out, you know, about how big of a fan you were going to be of the XFL. And I said the, the Guardians should send you some gear. I don't know if they did or not, but it never if, happened. It if, never happened. If they didn't, man, I, I have a T-shirt and a hat for you, the XFL Guardians. Man, it might be worth something now. Yeah. yeah. Who knows so, now uh, that the league is no longer around? Uh, yeah. And, and I, I can't wait for it to come back. And yeah. um, just for people, again, who don't know anything about me or Matt, um, I used to work for WWE for about nine years as a broadcaster. So uh, at the time, the powers that were running the XFL were also the powers that were running WWE. So I was very, very excited about the XFL. I was somebody who was interacting with the people that were actually uh, making these things happen and learning about what they were doing, some of the new things they were implementing. So I was really excited. And then to see 
uh, McGloin being the guy in New York. I was like, this is super cool. So you and I started talking and then uh, uh, got to hop on your podcast. And then you and I have kind of had um, our shared experiences in that. Like, I remember texting you during the Ohio State Penn State game last right. year. And the two of us like, and that's not a pleasant memory for a lot of Penn State fans, but us just kind of going back and forth. And uh, that was uh, that, that, that last season, as you look back on it now, what do you take away from the 2020 season? Well, I try not to look back at it, right? I try not <laughs> to. No, I mean, really, because look, everything about football is moving forward, right? Last mm-hmm. week is last week. The previous game is the previous game. I understand last year was difficult on everybody. It really was. So if I'm Penn State, you have to look past that. You have to put that in the rearview mirror and move forward and expect to do great things this year. Here's where I struggle a little bit with thinking how you know great Penn State can be this year or how you know we talked a little bit about you know during the week Tom about these preseason rankings and Penn State being ranked I mean to be honest with you I I don't know if they deserve to be you know nationally ranked right now I I mean uh, expectations Mm -hmm. are always high right you know uh, as former Penn Staters and as fans right now we expect to win every single year we expect to be in the Big Ten championship picture we expect to be in the national spotlight with the Alabamas the Clemsons the Ohio States the Michigans whoever else um, you know, it's at, at the top of the food chain there. Penn State should be there. We expect them to be there. But what I struggle with, Tom, is that offensively, this is now your third different coordinator in the past three years for your quarterback in Sean Clifford. That's not easy to do. Again, mm-hmm. I said it earlier. I understand last year was difficult. You're not on the field. You're not getting all those reps that are necessary to understand and learn an offense you're not communicating with your offensive coordinator and quarterback coach last year on a daily basis because you're meeting over a computer. I get it. That's very difficult. But now you bring in a completely new offensive coordinator and a guy named Mike Yurchich, who I think Mike Yurchich is a fantastic head coach. I think, or in fact, excuse me, a fantastic offensive coordinator. I think he'll be a great head coach mm-hmm. one day. But to ask your quarterback and your offense to learn a completely new system again in such a short period of time is very difficult, Tom. And I just I say that because I know from experience when learning a complex offense like Bill O'Brien's in 2012, how difficult it was for us to just get comfortable with that. I mean, we lost the first two games of the season in 2012. We didn't hit our stride until midseason with that offense, Tom. I I remember the days early Mm. on. I'm standing in front of a mirror with note cards in my hand. Just, you know, reading plays off just so I can go in the huddle and say the play. It's hard, man. You know, just spitting out the verbiage, spitting out different terms and different verbiages. And, you know, it takes time and it really does. So I think Penn State has their work cut out for them. But again, we talked a little bit about training camp at the start of the podcast. That's when everything like that happens. That's when all those details get ironed out Mm -hmm. and you really, really find um, you really find what you're good at. Um, You know, so this is important for Penn State right now. They really need to dial in and focus this training camp and find what they're good at and stick to that early in the season, especially in those first three weeks. Yeah. And we're going to dive into some of the position battles that are absolutely going on starting today and will be going on for the next handful of weeks, because uh, there's a lot of positions where you have an idea of who might be the starter or the starter solidified or nothing is really solidified. And it's kind of an open competition. So we're going to dive into that at a handful of positions later on here on the show. Um, but I do want to ask you, what are some of your fondest memories or just more interesting memories of training camps past? Because 
because as you mentioned, you were not the dude who was yeah. like five-star recruit. We got to roll out the red carpet for him. Like you had to earn everything from day one. So what are some of your memories? Oh man. Well, obviously, you know, when I think of training camp, I'm, I'm getting nervous already because we're talking about <laughs> training camp. You know I mean? I'm getting that feeling in my stomach. Like I have to go out and practice twice today or go to meetings and lift all day, you know, but I remember your, uh, you know, when when Joe was the head coach there, he used to have the team managers go up and down the hallways in the dorm rooms blowing air horns to wake, to wake everyone up. And, you know, this is like 5.30, 5.15 in the morning, man. And, that it, Tom, oh, that is brand. the worst wake-up call in the world. An, an air horn being blown throughout the entire, you know, dorm room floor, man. And, you know, when you wake up and your eyes open and you know what lies ahead of you, for that training camp day, man, it, it's it's a tough feeling, man. Who, and who that's was, like, it, who, go ahead. Who was who was blowing the air horn first of all? Because that guy, I feel like, would just be yeah, like public enemy number one. Who was that? We we had you had a bunch of team managers, you know, team managers, equipment managers, guys like that, man. Who, um, you know, d- without those guys, Tom, and I'm going off topic here a little bit, but I have to mention this: without those equipment managers, without those team managers, and like you cannot run a practice, you cannot function. As an NFL organization, as a college, those guys do everything for the football team, man. They they do fantastic work. But uh, yeah, I can't imagine having that job early in the morning, you know, waking up 115 players with air horns in the dorm rooms, man. But, <laughs> you know, going back to what I was saying, man, when you do wake up, you know, it's like you see in those TV shows or in the movies. You have like the good version of you sitting on your right shoulder, the good version of you sitting on your other shoulder. And the one saying to you, Matt, you're a walk on, bro. Go back to mm-hmm. bed. What are you doing here? <laughs> you don't belong here, man. And you got you got the good right. version of you saying, Matt, get your ass out of bed, get over to that facility, and bust your tail today. Compete, work hard, and attack the day. And like time after time, man, yeah. like you just continue to get out, get out of bed, man. Take one step forward, one step forward, walk into the facility and work hard day in and day out. You earn those days off, man. And that's what I talked about earlier with that consistency. If you're somebody that can do that day in and day out, be consistent, work hard, you're going to have a chance. Yeah. And because you worked your butt off, that's why you're one of the most important quarterbacks in the history of Penn State football. And it's why you made your money in, in the NFL and the XFL. So, dude, yeah, congratulations on that. That's that's awesome. But, um, yeah, thinking about um, so this team, obviously, we mentioned today's Friday. So um, training camp kicked off today as of right now. Um, no earth shattering news that we're aware of. So that's fantastic. I guess you just want to make sure everybody's healthy, et cetera. Um, you talked about kind of the mindset going into these camps, but um, it's also that mental grind of you mentioned two a days, you mentioned the heat, you mentioned being around your teammates and a lot of competition. What do you think James Franklin is trying to cultivate specifically at this training camp? Again, I think they're trying to find what they're good at, especially offensively. Right, right now, kind of iron everything out. Where are we being successful at here as an offense throughout these first few days? Where do we need to improve on defensively? Where are um, positions where um, guys are competing, guys are fighting for jobs day in and day out? You know, how are we splitting up reps here for these guys? Because you got to remember, Tom, for as much as training camp is a grind, you have a season to play as well. So you really need to, you know, mm-hmm. take care of your bodies, trying to prevent injuries, doing some stretching, getting your conditioning in. As well, all that stuff matters. All that stuff um, is important. But you know, and this is easy to say, but it's the truth. It really is. This is where you come together as a team, Tom. Right? You find out who wants mm-hmm. to be there, and there's plenty who's of, willing to yeah. sacrifice. You know, 
who wants to be a part of the team, right? Which guy is doing mm-hmm. whatever it takes just to play, you know, whether it be offense, whether it be defense, whether it be special teams, Tom. And you mentioned the 2012 team um, earlier that I was a part of. And what was so special about that team was in days like this and days like training camp, nobody cared what their role was, big or small. Everybody just wanted to be a part of it. Everybody just wanted to contribute and take that field on Saturdays, man. And I think that's what made that team so special. And I think that's why we were able to do some of the things that we did was because guys just wanted to be there, man. They, they wanted to wear the Penn State helmet. They wanted to lace up the spikes and help out in any way that you can. And uh, that's what makes special teams. And, and I believe that is kind of the vibe coming from yeah. this team going into 2021. Um, the theme this offseason has been Penn State's dominance on the recruiting trail. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you and I have talked about this before uh, <laughs> we even dove into this, but like, I just don't put a ton of stock in recruiting because, as you mentioned, four-star, five-star guys come in with a ton of hype. They don't always live up to expectation. It's great if they do. That just doesn't always happen. And some of the guys that really matter to your team, whether it's wins and losses or just important players to the fan base, kind of come out of left field. So the way I look at it is like, great, all this information about recruiting, the, the 2022 class, we're number one, supposedly. That's awesome. I'm going to wait until signing day when they actually sign on the dotted line right. because i.e. we all remember a guy named Justin Fields right. who bounced around from Penn State to Georgia to Ohio State and congratulations he's with the Chicago Bears now but like everything can change in a heartbeat the transfer portal now with NIL existing um obviously covid being a major factor last year and potentially a factor this year how does the NCAA handle that do they give extra time to players again that's something that was introduced last year so there's so many things that can happen when it comes to recruiting. It's like, great. I think there's momentum within the program and the players seem to be motivated. I saw a player recently, I forget who it was, tweet, oh yeah, we're, Penn State's going to win a national title in the next five years. And it's like, that's a great, you know, that's a great goal. That's a yeah. great attitude. Personally, I want to see a national title in my lifetime. I was born in 1989 and the two titles happened before that. So yeah. it's like, okay, great. Like, that'd be awesome if we got to that. But let's just pump the brakes and take things one step at a time. Training camp is first and then diving into what is going to be a brutal schedule in September, um, at least two of the four weeks. And then the rest of the year is just kind of trying to redeem themselves from last year. And it was something I said, um, uh, thank you, first of all, to Mike Porman, our mutual friend Mm -hmm. from Penn State and our days as students uh, and statecollege.com. I said to Mike, I have expectations that this team plays angry and motivated and i hope that starts from james franklin and works its way down do you think that well let me start with the recruiting that that you mentioned because you know how i feel about this i couldn't care less about the recruiting process i don't care why tom because they've done nothing yet i understand recruiting is a massive part of playing major division one football i get it but these kids have done nothing yet and we hype it up so much dude that it's to the point where expectations are so high for these kids that they just like they they can't deliver, right? A majority of them are going to struggle. A majority a majority of them aren't going to be consistent enough. A majority of them aren't going to play well. A majority of them just aren't going to pan out, mm-hmm. right? And and it is that and it is what it is, Tom, because you can't teach talent. You can't teach size. Everything's based off that. Everything's based off potential. This guy's got a lot of potential. That guy's got a lot of potential. That's great. But if he does nothing with it, and guess what? If you don't do nothing with it as a coach. 
what the hell's the point of talking about it? Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? Yep. Like that's like, and that's probably, I probably feel that way because I wasn't a big recruit, you know, and I've just, I played with a lot of guys, Tom, that are four star, five star recruits that had 50 offers, 40 offers, whatever it may be. And they just, they couldn't do it. They couldn't get the job done day in and day out. So, mm-hmm. I, I, and the last thing I'll say about recruiting for me, you know, to play at certain schools, to play at a Penn State, you know, to play at an Ohio State, play to Florida, list goes on and on, wherever it may be. I think it takes a special person to play at certain schools. And for me, it takes a special athlete to play at Penn State. Not everybody can play for Penn State, right? And, you know, I think anymore these days, it's just about getting the best possible talent that you can possibly get and saying, okay, great, we'll make somebody or we'll make you know, something out of this kid will make him into a great player, Tom. And, and a lot of times it doesn't work, right? Give me a great football player and a good athlete over a great athlete, you know what I mean? And just a good football player, right? I want football players. Yeah. You know, I want Penn State type football players who are loyal to the program, who are going to grind, who are going to work hard each and every day, who are going to be good teammates. That's what I would want throughout a recruiting process. And that's who I would want to bring into my university in terms of playing angry, man, like, you know, do I think they're looking back on last year and trying to, you know, overcome that and, 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 and make up for, for that yeah, last season. Yeah. I mean, use it as motivation, right? Find something to use as motivation day in and day out. Do I think they can, should continue to look back? No. Do I think they should look back and learn from what happened last year? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and think about how weird last year was. And, uh, it was highlighted very much during the uh, the whiteout game against Michigan, and it's like nobody's in the stands, or the whiteout game against Ohio State. Yeah. Excuse me, um, th- no one's in the stands, and it was like that had to be so eerie at Beaver Stadium. And then I think something that can't be underscored enough is that James Franklin, um, for the safety of his family uh, because of COVID, um, was separated from his family for the bulk of the last year. And I don't think you can underestimate how much of a toll that would take on any human being. And mental health has become such an important issue um, globally, but also in the sports world specifically, that I don't think you can underscore that. And I think seeing the drive in James Franklin and his entire staff, you mentioned Mike Yurcich being uh, implemented from Texas. This seems like there's an extra force behind this team this year. So I'm I'm hoping that turns into uh, some wins. We'll see what happens. But I, I do want to go back to something that you mentioned uh, a couple minutes ago, is that some of the early rankings came out earlier this week. Um, ESPN uh, has Penn State ranked at number 20. CBS has Penn State ranked at number 17. Um, what do you think about that? <laughs> I don't think they. I don't think they belong there. I don't think they belong in the top twenty-five right now, Tom. Like they're a good football. You team. You do not think they belong in the top twenty-five. Uh, I don't. I don't think they belong in the top twenty-five right now. They're a good football team, right? And judging off of what happened last year and the way that season went for them, it'd be hard for me to put them in that position. I understand there's talent everywhere, offense, defense. There's talent everywhere, man. But that doesn't matter if you can't put it all together. And I. And again, I talked about it earlier, and I go back to it. New offensive system, new offensive coordinator and quarterback coach, right? You know, it takes time to learn that stuff. And what doesn't help them, we haven't talked about this yet, Tom, what doesn't help them is that early portion of the season, especially opening opening up in Camp Randall and in Madison, Wisconsin. That is one of the most consistent teams in the Big Ten offensively and defensively 
year in and year out. They're similar for me to like a Northwestern Tom in a way that they're not going to do anything to beat themselves. They're going to be well-prepared on both sides of the football. They're not going to make mistakes. They're going to run the ball whenever they want to run the ball. They're going to use play action off that. You know, one of the things in Wisconsin had a tough year last year as well. Uh, but one of the things I think they can take away um, from last year, Wisconsin, is that Graham Mertz, who I think is going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the Big Ten this year, and then moving forward, he's going to be one of the better quarterbacks in all of the country. He got to experience the ups and downs of what a Big Ten football season is like last year. And I think that's going to help him tremendously this year. I think he's going to take that next step forward here in 2021. Wisconsin is going to be a tough team to beat in the West. Um, I think they'll challenge Iowa in the West, you know, to, to, to be the team there this year, man. But to open up there with a lot of question marks, especially offensively, is very, very difficult, Tom. It's very scary. It's a scary game. Yeah, and and Wisconsin only played a fraction of their season due to uh, a myriad of COVID issues. So um, hopefully for the sake of the health and safety of their program and their people that they do get to play a full year and uh, enjoy all that. And then Graham Mertz is maybe the first Wisconsin quarterback, um, maybe since Russell Wilson, that you really feel like, yeah. oh, this guy's a game changer. I think Wisconsin is often kind of Oh, they have the game manager at quarterback and, and guys who rarely make mistakes uh, to their eternal credit. But Graham Mertz feels like a guy that if he were to really show out, could he jump into the Heisman conversation this year? I don't know. Maybe next year. You know, you have to see how things play out. But anyway, we'll, we'll dive into the schedule as we get closer and closer to September. Um, obviously, training camp is just getting underway. Um, and looking at some of the different positions, I want to get into those in a moment. But who are a handful of players that you're especially looking at this August as who's an up-and-comer for the Nittany Lions? Yeah, right. Well, I think it's huge. You look at defensively. Tariq Castro-Fields is such a veteran presence on that football team defensively, especially in the secondary, man. And having him back for another year is huge for this team. But you look, who's going to play opposite him, right? Who's going to play that other cornerback position? Seems like it's going to be Joey Porter Jr., who has a ton of talent, man. And one of the things I always give Penn State credit for, um, especially defensively, is that they do such a good job of getting all those guys reps, right, through, throughout a season, throughout a game, throughout a year. Um, and Porter's played a lot of football, so I think he can be um, you know, the next big cornerback at Penn State. I think he can do some pretty, pretty uh, good things for, for Penn State this fall. And you know, I, I want to just touch on the running back position here real quick, Tom. You know... Uh, Top to bottom, down the list. I mean, how deep is the Penn State running back room this year? With uh, you know Noah Kane, Devin Ford, uh, transfer John Lovett, Kevon Lee, Kaziah Holmes. I mean, I mean, any one of these guys can be starters, right? So, I mean, if if I'm sitting here now, Tom, we're talking about what's the game plan here for Week One, and I know I'm looking weeks down the road, man. It's I'm relying heavily mm -hmm. on that run game, and I'm relying on that depth just to get comfortable, just to get going. Um, because the talent's all over the place there, man. They just got to use them properly. You know, what's going to be tough though, man, is like, it's keeping those guys happy, right? Transfer portals, things like that. Guys wanting carries, guys wanting reps. So it'll be interesting to see what they do um, there with giving those guys reps. But that's, that's a great competition to look at this year. Um, and, and who is the number one, two, three, and, you know, down the list and on the depth chart. I, I do want to address the running game because in 2020, the bane of my existence as a Penn State fan was the running game yeah. because it was the quarterback option, just put it in the belly, and then it was just one or two yards in a cloud of dust right up the A-gap, 
And we must have run that, oh, I don't know, 50 times a game. And granted, it's a different offensive coordinator this year. I think there's a lot of Penn State fans that are excited about this. Um, you mentioned Noah Kane and Kevon Lee is probably two of the front runners. Um, and then also last year, Sean Clifford, if uh, many Penn State fans recall, coming into the season, there was this narrative from the coaching staff that it was like, oh, we're working on his running. Do you want to see that this year? No, I don't. I, I want to see him run when it's necessary. And I also don't want to see him take big hits. I don't want to see him take the hits that he took last year, man. Get the first down and slide. If you have a chance to create, then maybe create, take the hits when necessary, but don't take unnecessary hits, right? Get out of bounds, run out of bounds. I just talked about the collection of running backs that you have. Rely on those guys, Tom. Use those guys week in and week out to rely on the running game, man. And you mentioned Sean Clifford and the running that he's done last year, the amount of hits that he's taken in years past. You don't have a backup quarterback anymore like a Will Levis or like a Tommy Stevens that you can throw in there now and create these wildcat packages for or even, you know, take Sean Clifford out of the game for a few plays. You, you can't do that anymore. And James Franklin even talked about that, Tom, at the Penn State Media Day. He's, you know, all in on Sean Clifford, fully committed to Sean Clifford. Um, I forget what the exact quote was. Do you remember? No, I did not see it, but I think uh, they're definitely committed to him because, yeah. frankly, looking at the guys behind him, uh, it's Christian Velu, who is the freshman from Canada that people are excited about, which is great. And then Taquan Roberson, who uh, or Robertson, however you pronounce it, forgive me. Um, but you know, there's a lot of questions about. Okay, it's not necessarily a, a quarterback uh, controversy or anything. There's not one guy that jumps out as like, oh, they're going to push Sean this year. It's is this going to be the Sean Clifford of 2019 when he was pounding around with KJ Hamler and everything seemed like it was right as rain? And a lot of people saw that nice uh, following from yeah. the Trace McSorley era right into the Sean Clifford era. It felt really clean into 2019. And he was a guy that was at one point being considered maybe the best quarterback in the Big mm -hmm. Ten. Yeah. Last year, things went completely sideways. So do they change that up this year and get him back to throwing the ball? Because, again, you and I texted during the Ohio State game. I don't need to revisit how bad of a game that was for Penn State, but you were convinced, and I remember your quote exactly, that like, he can throw the ball. That's just not the plan right now. Let me tell you something, dude. With a guy like Mike Yurchich and where he comes from, University of Texas, Oklahoma State, Ohio State, man, they're not going to be just inching their way downfield. This guy's looking for explosive plays in the pass game. He's going to want to take chances here and there. They're going to throw the football down the field. He, Sean Clifford has all the tools to be able to do that week in and week out. He has accuracy. He has arm strength. He has great mechanics. He's got great footwork. He's a very, very good quarterback. You know what I mean? You just, you have to give him to the answers. You have to give him the answers to the test before he takes the field. That's your job as a coach to do that week in and week out. Don't send him out there and, and make him be uncomfortable. Make him, don't make him guess, second guess himself. That, and that's what we saw a lot last year from him. It just looked like he was unsure, right? I don't want to see that this year from the Penn State offense. I don't want to see that, you know, from Sean Clifford. Um, you know, so again, Mike Yurchich, James Franklin, they need to prepare this kid to play well every single week because guess what, Tommy, as you talked about, there is no one behind him. James Franklin talked about being fully committed and, all, and invested and all in on Sean Clifford. You better be. Because you, ha you don't have, again, you don't have a Will, mm -hmm. Le Will Levis or Tommy Stevens behind him. There's nothing behind him. We, you can't pull him out one week and put somebody else in, in this week. This isn't the year to experiment. This is the year to win. 
Well, see, I'm excited, man. I'm excited yeah. to talk about, about some so. of the people that. No, no, I'm excited too because again, I, I come back to the theme of, especially if Sean Clifford isn't motivated, it's going to be a problem. But I don't expect that. I believe Sean Clifford, like the way I just talked about, looks back at 2019 yeah. and man, like, wow, that was a great year for me. I can do this, mm-hmm. and maybe he can. He's motivated again, and. So let's talk about running back, right? That you've got a lot of different guys you can use. I'm curious to see if it's running back by committee. Does Noah Kane kind of jump out? We're going to see how uh, August progresses, and I'm really curious to see what the reports are coming out of camp of who separates themselves. Yeah. People talking about there being uh, a thunder and thunder kind of background with uh, back uh, backfield, excuse me, with Lee and Kane. You've got love it. A lot of different options back there. But let's talk about some of the guys that Sean Clifford is going to have at his disposal in the passing game. Um, this tight end room is ridiculous. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, somebody's going to need to step up to to replace Fryermuth, right? It's going to it's going to mm-hmm. be have to be somebody in that room. You're going to you need a number three guy somewhere, whether it's at the tight end position or at the wide receiver position. Tom, who's going to step up? Um, you know, outside of Jaha Dotson, right? Parker Washington had a good year last year. Um, but who could be that number three? Could it be Cam Sullivan Brown? Could it be Daniel George? Two guys that have a ton of talent, ton of potential, but r- really haven't done much when given the opportunity. Somebody needs to step up, man. And again, we're talking about training camp here right now. Obviously, training camp kicks off today. They need to figure it out within the next few weeks because they're not, guess what? They're not playing Villanova week one. They're not playing Kent State week one. You don't have two or three weeks to figure out, well, who's playing well here? Who's playing well here? Who else should we incorporate in the offense? Who should, who should we try to get the mm-hmm. football to once this Big Ten season kicks off when we start playing some real competition? You don't have that. You don't have the luxury. Yeah. Let's not forget, week week three, we host Auburn, FYI. Yeah, think, so just yeah. a heads up. And uh, again, Ball State, Ball, State, Ball State week two uh-huh. is a tough game. That's a good football team, right? So you don't have the luxury of waiting to see who shows up on game day and then deciding from there. These answers... These questions need to be answered within the next few weeks, Tom. Well, and especially the way last season went. I'm somebody who watched the Maryland game and was like, we should beat Maryland. And then Talia Tagovailoa beat the brakes off us. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's any gimmies on the schedule. However, I do have a really high expectation. I predict eight and four, but like, let's see what happens. We could lose every game. I don't think so. We can win every game. A lot could happen. And that's the unpredictability, it feels like is surrounding this team. Um, I, I want to come back to some of the receiving threats. So we all know Jahan Dotson is, is going to be there, and so does every other team that we're going to be playing. Um, Brenton Strange is somebody that there's a lot of expectations. Um, the tight end room looks really good on paper, and the measurables are unbelievable. What Theo Johnson has put up in terms of like combine-esque numbers, I think he ran a 4.51, and he's six foot five, 250 pounds, as is Brenton Strange, as is Tyler Warren. You've got some freaks at the tight end position. So that's great that you have the size there. But then when you go to the wide receiver room, it's, okay, you know Jahan Dotson's going to be there, and then you know Parker Washington is going to be an excellent slot receiver. So that's an interesting combination. So who's that third and fourth guy? Is it the law firm of Sullivan Brown and Lambert Smith? Is it somebody else we aren't expecting? Because there's not a ton of size in the wide receiver core. Yeah, I mean, you're right, Tom. Well, look, I, I don't know who I don't know who it is. I really don't. Like, and that's <laughs> and that's and I guess that's okay, right? Because what did I talk about at the start of the show? Right? Guys you expect a real training camp to step up. Sometimes they can't do it, and guys you don't expect. 
to step up. They sometimes do and like, we need to give this guy a chance. We start got to start giving him more reps, give him more opportunities to go catch the football, incorporate him in the offense here a little bit more and go make plays for us. And Tom, this is something that Penn State has now dealt with for a few years. You know, who is the number three guy on the wide receiver spot? Who's the number four guy that can go up and make plays? It just, it hasn't been there. They they haven't had one. Um, this is the time to find one. They're going to need it this year. Look, everybody in the Big Ten, everybody in the nation knows about Jihad Dotson. They're going to do everything they can, roll coverage to him, you know, double teams, things like that, to, to, to try to take him out of the offense and force you to go somewhere else with the football. Um, I expect Mike Yurchis to use motion with Jihad Dotson, you know, full motion, short motion, um, you know, things like that. Put him at the Z, put him at the X, put him in the slot, right? Put him all over the offense, um, you know, try to get him the ball in different spots of the field. Um, you know, uh, we'll see is all I can say, man. Yeah, no, it feels that way. And then that we'll see kind of thought process. Yeah. When you look at the defense, it feels even more so in that respect. And again, there's talent all over the field. I'm really, I'm really excited about the potential of so many guys, but the defensive line is something that you, know, you look at. Okay, you've got guys like Mustafer, Tangelo, who came from Duke, Abakati, who was a transfer from Temple. Some guys that are going to come in that you have some expectations for and you hope that they step up in the places that Shaka Tony and Odafe Owe have, have left. Um, defensively, we talked about some of the corners. Uh, Jaquan, uh, Jaquan Brisker is obviously yeah. going to be leading the defense. You and I talked about this yesterday. The linebacking core, you feel surprisingly good about. You don't feel like, oh my God, it's the greatest linebacking core ever assembled at linebacker U. But these guys across the board, Lucada, Brandon Smith, and Ellis Brooks, this is a solid unit. Great football players who have played a lot of football. As you mentioned, yeah, Jesse uh, Lucada, uh, Ellis Brooks, Brandon Smith, man. Like there's, you know, uh, the thing about Penn State football, as aside from the quarterback, who else gets the most recognition? I think it's the linebacker position, right? Linebacker yeah. you. Who is the next Dan Connor? Who is the next Paul Pazluzny? You know, the next Sean Lee? You know, all these guys, who's the next Mike Mowdy? Everybody looks for that year in and year out, but you have three very good guys at linebacker position. Will, Mike, and Sam, man, they all play the position well. They're all good football players. So I think when you look at it, they make up for one tremendous football player. They really do. And I mean, that's that's the staple of, uh, of the Penn State football defense is that linebacker position. I think those guys know that. They're tough. They're smart players. Um, you know, they play well together. Yeah, they, I mean, that, that, again, you mentioned the D-line as well. They've got a good front seven. They really, really do. I think they need to tighten things up a little bit in the secondary, find out who can replace um, you know, that, that veteran presence that Lamont Wade had, that leadership that he had. Um, but again, what Penn State does you know, well defensively um, is they give those guys a lot of reps. They get them experience. They prepare them to play defensively, um, you know, which, uh, which a lot of teams don't do. A lot of teams struggle doing that, Tom. I got to ask you this. You and I are the same age. How old do you feel when you watch Joey Porter Jr. playing, knowing that Joey Porter wasn't playing that long ago in the NFL? Yeah. There's a few kids like that that are playing now that, you know, have the same name as, yeah. you know, their, their fathers that play in the them NFL. Kids now. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's like, I'm like, that's crazy. And, and you know what I mean? How, how great of a player Joey Porter was. And like I said, how tremendous of a talent his, his son is now at Penn State. Um, like imagine like how that, you know, how that works out too. your dad was this great football player. 
and you've become now this a this monster. this this great monster. talent, you know, at Penn State on the defensive side of the ball, man. Um, it's it's you know, it's it's cool in a way, man. I think it's cool, and it's cool because I have I have a son. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you right. know, I'm hoping, yeah, one day my son <laughs> plays at you know Penn State or somewhere. I think it'd be awesome. That would be Marshall McGloin. I think will be that sounds it sounds great, doesn't it? Sounds like a quarterback. A I hope he plays golf or something like that, though, it, man. But we'll see. Oh yeah, keep the keep the knees and the shoulders intact and just golf. God, I hope to God he's a better golfer than both you and I. Because and first of all, thank you for inviting me to your charity golf tournament. I am the worst golfer that ever lived, and you're better than me but i don't know if that's really saying a ton for either of us we're pretty terrible at it yeah we're we're yeah we're, we're absolutely terrible at golf thank god we had doc and and bob on our team <laughs> oh my to, god <laughs> you know to, to carry our golf around there all day they played great we played terrible i didn't even i, I might have pulled out the driver once or twice man but i hit irons for more most of the day and poorly it got <laughs> to the point you know for you guys listening it got to the point i wasn't even chasing after the golf balls <laughs> Oh yeah, best ball, and, and just but we got a couple of minutes here, so we'll wrap up in a second. But just uh, shout out to Dr. Carl, who at one point said to me, "You know, Tom, there's no reward for hitting the ball the shortest." <laughs> Thanks, eighty-one year old man, the best. The guy could put the ball wherever he wanted. Um, so we're, we got a couple of minutes here, and I, I just want to wrap up. Just kind of uh, this is something you and I have talked about. Is my expectation for 2021? Um, I have a very different perspective from you, and I love being able to talk to you about this because you ground me as a fan and as a student or a former student excuse me that's a long time back um but here's the way i'm looking at it i wonder what you think in 2018 we lost by one point to ohio state and famously after that game uh coach james franklin was pretty ticked off in a press conference and he went on to say something to the effect of we've been a good football program we're a great football program we're not an elite football program yet it's been nearly three years since he said that, is this program closer to being elite than when he said that? I don't know if you're like my answer, Tom. They have to get back to being great first, right? Because, you know, when you look at last year and just how disappointing it was for Penn State, right? I, I don't think you stay great after that. I think you kind of need to rebuild yourself in a way where it's like, okay, how do we get back on track here? How do we find ourselves? How do we find what Penn State football is all about? Right? How, how do we become this team that we once were? How do we rebound? Right? Are guys still thinking about the 0-5 start? Are they still thinking about the way we played at times last year? And I think you saw that you know, as that losing streak continued, Tom. Guys thinking about plays in the past, dwelling on plays, um, thinking about turnovers. You know, I think it became a mental thing for Penn State. Right. So here in 2021, they have to get tougher mentally can't dwell on plays, can't look in the past. Let's move forward. Let's become great again and work towards becoming elite. Um, I think that's where they're at right now. You mentioned them playing angry. It starts with James Franklin. I think that's what they're going to have to do. They have like they have a chance. And I know I'm looking past training camp here, which I don't like to do, but mm -hmm. they have a chance to send a huge message, not, to the, not just to the Big Ten, but to the country in week one with going out on the road, Camp Randall, Fans are back um, listening to jump around in the fourth quarter, which that song makes me sick now, by the way, after we got beat down there <laughs> really? in 2011. Oh, uh, but uh, but man, look, what? look the, the way this again, this, the, the weeks one through three, one through four can make or break 2021. Yeah, you're right. 
Uh, well, listen, we got to wrap up here. First of all, I want to say a big thank you to the guys that believe Bron, Jesse, Joe, Brian, who's helping us out with this. Yeah. Um, the entire staff has been fantastic. Thank you for giving us this opportunity. Uh, this is episode one of what we hope is many. Um, we're really excited about the future of the Pager podcast. Um, like, subscribe, comment, uh, share it. Uh, any link that you're looking forward to, whatever platform you're trying to listen or watch us on is available in my Instagram and Twitter bios. I believe they're in yours. And if they're not, I'll get on you about this after we're done here. Uh, but uh, tell the people, Matt, where they can be seeing you in the very near future. Yeah, you're talking about for the podcast? <laughs> no, no, you're doing stuff on Sirius. And oh, you got yeah, a good yeah, 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 you're right, of course. School, yeah, no, Big doing, Ten doing, Tell uh, the people where they can see you. Yeah, doing some Sirius XM, ESPNU, Big Ten Radio, Channel 372. Um, do that a few times a week, uh, which is fantastic. Work with a great group of guys. Um, really enjoying doing that, you know, breaking down the Big Ten Conference. You know, and I have some media opportunities, you know, here in the fall, man. So, uh, again, looking forward to the Big Ten football season, looking forward to the college football season. Glad it's back, man. Because glad it's back to normal because, you know, we've certainly missed it. Oh, you're telling me. Um, Matt, thank you for today. Thank you all for tuning in. And we'll see you next week on Pater. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.